Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good evening, folks. It's time for your Wednesday evening edition of It's News to Us, our daily podcast taking a look at the day's top stories in Richmond and in the surrounding areas and sometimes all over the state of uh, or the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, And uh, we'll get right into a lot of stories today. And uh, Jeff, uh, you had, uh, you know, a story actually extends all the way to California. We got, I was about to say, this goes a little bit beyond the borders of the Virginia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it has Virginia ties. but It, it certainly does. Major Virginia ties, but it extends all the way to California. We got some additional information in that weird uh, former state trooper catfishing uh, story that uh, is continuing to make national news out of uh, out of California. What additional information did we get today? Well, right now, um, authorities are still in California trying to figure out what's behind this, how long this online relationship between Austin Edwards, as you said, who was a state trooper uh, who uh, lived in North Chesterfield and uh, patrolled Henrico, as well as uh, he was a Washington County, Virginia sheriff's deputy, actually at the time of of uh, him going to California from Virginia. But investigators in California want to figure out what the genesis of this relationship was with this 15-year-old California girl, how long they had been uh, chatting. Uh, Investigators seem to believe that he posed as a 17-year-old, which is, you know, as a false identity, which is the prime uh, category if if you're catfishing somebody, being somebody that you're not. He certainly didn't say that he was a police officer or anything like that. So um, and as you all know, the story, um, you know, he came to California, drove cross country, uh, killed this girl's uh, mother and grandparents and then set the house on fire. Uh, And then he was killed in a shootout with San Bernardino uh, County Sheriff's deputies. Uh, The family held a news conference today. The primary speaker there was... um, a woman by the name of Michelle Blandon, who is this girl's aunt. So her sister was killed in the incident, uh, basically saying how bad this act was um, by someone who was a law enforcement official. And also speaking to parents in general all across the country about how dangerous uh, online communication is of for kids, and especially if they don't know to whom they're speaking, and and for parents to kind of, you know, get in your kid's business and 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 um, try to figure out who they're communicating with and what the nature of your conversation is. This reminds me a lot, in in some sense, of the story that occurred in Goochland, where the guy traveled all the way from New Zealand. Yes. Um, to to Goochland, and then tried to break into the fourteen year old. Uh, girl's house in, in Goochland and the mother shot him um, and he ended up uh, being convicted or at least pleading guilty, I believe, in, in federal court here. Yeah. Um, but it, it has some similarities. I think what's going to be interesting coming out of this story, I don't think either one of you will disagree, is um, 
what state police find in their, uh, and I got to believe there's an investigation going on into his background with state police. I know they said they haven't, you know, they didn't have anything that came up in his personnel file, but, you know, looking at at the procedures there and also whether or not there was any catfishing attempts here in the Commonwealth or anywhere else in the country for that matter. I mean, it's online. It it could be anywhere. Yo, go ahead, like David. Oh, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, it's not it's not in I mean, I've never done anything like this, but I can't imagine it's something that you do all of a sudden. Like you think, oh, I think I'm going to go do this. You know, it's just something that maybe materializes over time. I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, this he resigned from the, the state police department on October 28th. Yeah. That is literal. I mean, it, it's, it's not even a month. Well, actually, now it's a little over a month ago. But at the time of ago. the incident, it wasn't a month ago. Yeah. And he was in he was employed with Washington County starting on like November 16th, if I remember the dates correctly. So he had to I mean, just timeline wise, it had to have occurred while he was employed with one of the two, unless he did it during a two week period where he wasn't employed by either either department. Right. And one thing that um, we should mention as well, that investigators seem to believe at this point in their investigation that the girl was not privy to the plans to kill, you know, her mother and grandparents. Yeah. And it sounds like that that, you know, the reason that police or law enforcement out in California went after him in part was because neighbors were concerned about her. I don't want to say being forced into the car, but but going into the car with a uh, older man, yeah. Like better terms, um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how this this case, you know, the the, the facts that come out of this case, especially here locally, um, you know, how, how that how that moves on. Sure. Um, moving on from from this story, as we continue to get additional information there, I know we've talked an awful lot over the last several weeks about. Um, increases in respiratory diseases, RSV, don't ask me to tell you what RSV stands for, um, the flu and COVID. And, and David, now, unfortunately, we are we are seeing some sad news in regards to the flu. Yes. So the, the Virginia Department of Health sent some out today and basically reported that um, Virginia has now had its first pediatric uh, flu death. And it was a it was a child somewhere in southwest Virginia. Yeah. Ages. I think it was the age between five and 12. They don't they don't often mm-hmm. give a whole lot of information in regards to these. Yeah, it was. Uh, yes. A child, by their definition, is between five and 12. And it's worth noting, you know, this flu season has I mean, we've talked about it plenty on this podcast, but it's already been a lot more uh, aggressive than a lot of flu seasons for a number of reasons, uh, some some of which tied up in uh, the last couple of years, people have been, you know, shut in a little more and uh, less, you know, a lot of people who would normally have gotten their flu shots haven't. Um, but in the U.S. so far, um, there have been, you know, somewhere between 2,400 and 8,900 uh, flu-related deaths already. But this is Virginia's first pediatric flu death. Yeah, I want to say, and I'm I was look I'm looking this up as as you were speaking. Yeah, they they were saying that we're in very high. I think I was looking at a map that had us in, in a bright red color, with red being you know you know bright red being at the high high level. 
um, in terms of uh, terms of cases and flu activity. So, you know, this is something they're concerned about. What messages did they have in regards to obviously, you know, combating this and making sure that people don't get sick uh, from from a potentially, you know, deadly flu strain? Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest one, as it is pretty much every year, is they're just encouraging people to go get their flu vaccine. Um, it's, you know, uh, pretty much everyone over six months is eligible uh, for it. And they've got it uh, in a lot of pharmacies and health offices and those sorts of places. Um, but that is sort of the number one line of defense. And then after that, there are things you can do like washing your hands diligently. And, uh, you know, if you are sick, stay home so that if you do have the flu, you don't spread it to other folks. Um, but they're, they're most sort of, uh, the, the point they were really returning to is encouraging people to get their flu shot. Yeah, absolutely. And just to give you an idea of the numbers, I'm looking at the health department release right now, uh, 8% of all, uh, emergency department and urgent care facility visits are for the flu right mm. now. And, uh, We've already matched with this one death. We've already matched last year's pediatric death total from the flu for last year. So, yep. I mean, and that's the entire flu season for, for last year. So it just goes to show that the aggressive forecast they people had for this flu season is pretty much coming to pass and then some. Well, and, and part of it too is, I mean, masks stop respiratory diseases and people are not wearing masks like they did when COVID was a, a major yeah. concern. This is not to yep. say COVID isn't a concern now; it still is, but people aren't uh, wearing masks as much as they as right. they used to. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, big message: go get your flu shot. You know, yesterday we told you to wear your seatbelt. Today, get your flu shot. Um, <laughs> we're being awfully preachy. Yes, we're yes. <laughs> we're just we're just we're just moving along the message. We're trying to keep that, people, absolutely trying Nothing to keep people alive. Trying to keep people people alive. Um, moving on to our, our, our next story, um, we spoke with uh, James Madison University political expert Robert Robert um, Robert Roberts. Sorry, I always uh, sort of cut that short a little bit. Um, and I, I apologize because we've been working with him for a year. He's a great, great, great guy, great source. Um, because obviously, we had the death of Congressman uh, Donald McEachin uh, on Monday evening, uh, complications from cancer, um, and. Uh, after giving it a day, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit, we didn't want to do this. Hey, what's next story, you know, right at right after his death, we wanted to give it a sort of a day to for people to remember him. Um, now we're looking at, you know, how he is replaced in Congress, because obviously the fourth district is without a representative right now. Um, and basically, Governor Glenn Youngkin sort of controls the process. He has to set a date for a special election. Um and then we go from there. There's no real timeline on it. Um, he can set it whenever he wants. Um, doesn't have to wait till till the start of the new year. Um, there's no, you know, intervening Congress or anything like that where, you know, you have to wait until the current Congress ends uh, to, 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 to select a new person. Um, a lot of names he mentioned are, are possible. Uh, Senator Joe Morrissey is a possible candidate. Um which will be interesting because uh, the Democrats are kind of trying to push him. There are some Democrats who are trying to push him out in the state Senate. So um, he may look uh, look at Congress. State Senator Jennifer McClellan, who, of course, 
ran for governor in 2021 and didn't get the nomination, but she's replaced Donald McEachin, I believe, twice now, once in the House of Delegates and then once in the state Senate, you know, as he moved on to higher office, maybe continue to follow that path. Um, also, Richmond Mayor LeVar Stoney, that would be a very interesting. Mm. We've never we've, we're yet to have a mayor um, step down from office. That would be a very interesting uh process to see how how that would work wow yeah that would be interesting we don't even have a vice mayor no you know it it just occurred to me i don't know what happens if we if if the mayor were to to step down because that would be the most interesting scenario there like what would happen I think we named the, the the news director of WRVA actually gets to be <laughs> yes. if if the mayor of Richmond steps down. He's in bylaws. Oh, well, you know. Hmm. This is just conti- continuing an old joke we used to have when I used to work in Delaware, where, where the head of the uh, Delaware political press corps would get to be, was like fifth in line to be governor. Um, <laughs> there were only eight people in the state, but, you know, I was fifth in line. Um, <laughs> But so so be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I will tell you that that Roberts thinks it's very possible that uh, Donald McEachin's wife, Colette McEachin, uh, could run for the seat um, and and as a compromise candidate to avoid some infighting among other Democrats. She's current Richmond Commonwealth's attorney. Um, The question is whether or not she'd want to move to 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 D.C., but he thinks that's possible as well. Um, yeah, it makes sense. And then we'd have to figure out who the next Richmond Commonwealth attorney would be. Right. And and and, uh, and the reason we're only mentioning Democratic names is this this is a minority majority district. It's heavily Democratic. Uh, Congressman McEachin won it by like one had 64 percent of the vote. And I think that was his lowest total that he got in recent recent years. Um, so it's. It, any Democrat who gets the nomination more than likely is going to be that district's uh, congressman and for a long time until the next redistricting in case, you know, they, they re- redo the district and it's, it's less heavily democratic. So, <laughs> so final story. Um, and uh, this is an un- unfortunate story. And unfortunately it reminds folks of Chesapeake, even though the only real tie to it is its location um, Henrico police are investigating a uh, homicide that occurred in um, the Walmart par- parking lot over by what used to be uh, Regency Square Mall. Correct, Jeff? Yeah, it's uh, uh, police were called to that Walmart uh, about 7.15, a little before 7.15 last night, where there was a uh, a man who was found dead in the parking lot. And they couldn't really say excuse me, they couldn't really say, uh, police uh, couldn't really say, you know, what sort of situation it was when they got there, as far as how many people were there, or was it just maybe one-on-one or just uh, two people at the crime scene. But uh, they did say that they were quick to communicate to, um, you know, to, to us in the media, their communications team was quick to communicate that there was no threat to anyone inside the store at the time. This is something that was isolated entirely in the parking lot area. They, what, they're, what police really are kind of worried about now is what events led up to this that they don't know that much about. And that's why they're looking for people to, you know, provide that information if they were at the store around that time or if they were maybe driving by on Parham Road. I know it's dark at 7.15 in the evening, but maybe they saw something. And uh, if you did, 
Detective Chris Henry is uh, could be reached at 804-501-4829 or the regular Crime Stoppers uh, methods or the P3 tips line. But right now they just don't have much to to go on as far as, um, you know, what led up to this. Uh, Matt Pecco with Henrico Police did say this is a good reminder, especially during holiday shopping season. And I did ask, you know, it's 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 important to clarify that this wasn't a Chesapeake Walmart situation. This was just an isolated incident. But when people hear that something happened at a Walmart here, they might take it to extremes and think that, well, I, I'm not going to any Walmart or any other store because it's not safe anymore. But you know, you could still do that, but just keep in mind that you need to be aware of your surroundings when you go to a shopping, you know, shopping or you go to a department store and, and, and a parking Any lot that's that's well lit or anywhere else. Just be aware of your surroundings, park in well lit areas and and just, you know, keep your head on a swivel, as they say, and just be aware of things around you. Yeah. Truth be told, this has less to 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 tie it to what happened in Chesapeake and probably is a lot more similar to an incident we had in Chesterfield a couple of weeks ago where there was a shooting in a Chesterfield Walmart parking lot, actually about five minutes from my house. Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be, according to Chesterfield police, a drug deal gone bad. So yeah. not, not saying that this was That's, a drug deal, but, but right. it, it was a shooting in a parking lot. I mean, in right. both cases, I don't believe in either that Chesterfield case or in this case, the store even closed. It was just, you know, the location. Yeah. And, and the parent Walmart is, is still open and business as usual there. There was never a threat to anybody in the store or any employees or anything like that. Yeah. It, it was very much an isolated incident, but it's still an opportunity for police to tell you to yeah. be aware of your surroundings and just, you know, just be careful at all times. Yep. No matter where you are. So, yep. so that has been a, a fairly weighty um, it's news to us for, for our Wednesday evening. Um, David uh, has the rest of the week off, so he will not be joining us on, on Thursday. Um, so it'll just be Jeff and I for for Thursday, and it'll then, just be me on Friday. At least we just so. just you on on Friday, unless you know. Well, we're not going to even talk about that. So no, we're we're just, it'll just be Jeff on Friday. We're just going to go with that. So, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. So <laughs> so for the Wednesday evening edition of its news to us, that's Jeff Stapleton and David Lefkowitz. I'm Matt Demline. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.